So one of the things is that's so striking um, is you you were you uh, indicated to me that you you've been classically trained and you went to St. Mary's College and and you took both uh, voice and creative writing. So how did your interest in the in the in, in blues and soul music develop? Because at the time, you know, when did you graduate from college? By the way. Uh, I graduated in uh, 2007. Right, right. So, and, go ahead. Um, well, both of my parents are musicians. My dad was a funk bassist, and, you know, definitely funk's roots are in blues. And my mom was a jazz singer and did a lot of theater and always played blues in the house. Really? Um, oh, so, okay. So, so in other words, there, were, there was blues available to you. And, and an influence in you when you were growing up. So, uh, Well, not necessarily. I think when you're a kid, you don't want to do things your parents are doing. Right, so I right. decided I didn't want to do that. And my parents are also multi-ethnic and exposed me to lots of different types of music. So in the 90s, for example, I could name every Latin pop star there is. <laughs> right. You know, Um and uh, so I grew up listening to a lot of Spanish music and um, not just blues, but, you know, like, you know, uh, like that. I love the band America, Fleetwood Mac, Santana, you know, um, so a very eclectic uh, exposure to music from a young age. Oh, OK. That's kind of like Quest Love. He's written about when he was growing up. Most of his friends were into hip hop and other stuff, but he also had a broader range of interests. When you say multi-ethnic, tell me about your parents and uh, uh, were they professional musicians or these were hobbies and they had other jobs? But what would you say multi-ethnic? What it would give me a little bit about your ethnic background because you also have Native American heritage that you're proud of. So fill me in about. I'm kind of curious about your family's, uh, pro you know, professional uh, background and ethnic background. Yeah, so I, I have two mainly Afro-Indigenous parents, um, but my mom is also, uh, her dad is uh, half Chinese, and then my dad's side, we have Mexican and uh, Scottish, actually. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and, you know, I think you know, my grandparents were like light-skinned, mixed-race people, who, you know, had all the challenges and privileges of what that means um, and tried to help us understand that, you know, uh, from a young age. Right. Um, so, now, where'd yeah. you, where, where, what, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in PG County, actually, okay. and I went to Bowie High School, so uh, in the Bowie area, um, and, uh, yeah. So one of the things is, so given the wide exposure to music, uh, in terms of the career path that you've taken now, and you're in your 30s, you, you've shown a lot of very eclectic interests. I mean, you, you've written folk music. Uh, that, that, that song, Human 2, is a masterpiece in my view. I think it's the best protest song to emerge out of the Black Lives Matter movement. And you also touch on indigenous rights as, as well. But, but you, there's a, you, you're, you're very skilled at jazz, soul, <laughs> blues. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and you're classically trained. So in terms of what you wanted to do as a musician, 
is, is, did you at any point want to go into classical or you always wanted to do the kind of blues and and other genres what 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 was your main goal when you were in college taking you know taking voice and so on what was your main career goal and how how, how are you moving along on that what you know for what you wanted in college to what you're doing now well so I grew up doing uh, like a lot of choral music like I had like a whole scholastic career in you know all state choir concert choir and so I thought I would stay on the classical trajectory right also while doing some singer songwriter stuff right. um, you know like Jason Mraz or something or you know Carol King um so that was sort of what I saw for myself and right. then in school I was doing creative writing and music, and I thought, maybe I'll combine them, and I'll do, like, I'll write musicals. I took a lot of courses in writing for musicals, and um, but sort of decided to be, like, a sponge, just soak up whatever I could and right. let whatever happen will happen. Um, and so on my classical trajectory, I was doing an a cappella group, and a friend of mine who's a big Susan Teske fan uh, was like, oh, do you ever sing blues? And I was like, no. And I was repulsed by it because I was like, that's my parents' old-time music. You know? <laughs> um, and I was like, no. And especially, I hate the song Caldonia. I hate, I hated um, any form of blues that seemed to be um, on the verge of, like, cabaret or, you know, skiddly bop, you know, like, I don't know, like five guys named Mo, really corny stuff. I just wasn't into it. Right. It was making me overlook the other raw, awesome stuff that I did like. Right. Anyway, so this friend of mine really kept pushing, you should sing blues, you should sing blues. And um, he played Susan Tedeschi for me. And I was like, whoa, she's awesome. And she kind of like made it, you know, as a younger person, made it feel more relatable. And then I started looking at interviews and, like, people she was influenced by. And I was like, oh, wait, I like Mahalia Jackson. I did grow up hearing Mahalia Jackson, and that is powerful music. That, you know, is gospel. Right. Sort of, um, you know, but the soul and the space where blues comes from in that, I I was like, oh, yeah, I totally love that. And then uh, uh, Susan talked about Coco Taylor and Etta James, and I was like, Oh yeah, I like Etta James. That's blue. I know. interviewed and Etta James. You did. That's very for, cool. For US <laughs> News and World Report, uh, but uh, so so in other words, she is. Uh, this is really so such irony because because you you of African American and other ethnic backgrounds get turned on to blues through the work of a white performer of the blues, kind of like it's the kind of the reverse of the American in the 60s and 70s who got turned, in the 60s in particular, got turned on to blues through the Rolling Stones who would evoke their mm. heroes. And then we would follow, you know, who they liked and who they championed. And, and it, it, it's very, it's, it is really striking. Uh, and it shows truly that you absorb so many music. So Tedeschi was kind of your gateway drug into the blues then. Well, yeah, sort of, um, you know, in a, in a sort, yes, because uh, she was young 
and uh, really, like, pretty, and she wasn't being corny or theatrical. Right. And I really respected that when she spoke about the artist she was inspired by, she didn't, like, mention a white blues artist. She was talking about where blues comes from. Right. And and the black artist that, that inspired her. And so what she did was, it was kind of like she was my friend who was like, hey, you know, you like Etta James. You grew up listening to that. You right. like blues, you know. So I always liked blues. There was just a specific type of it that I could not get over. And, you know. So in other words, Susan. you felt that was, in other words, there was something... Uh, uh, I hate to use it, was it something uh, kind of uh, uh, corny and maybe even a little bit tomming about about the, these blues forms you didn't like, like Five Guys Name Yeah, it's like Boogie Woogie can, you know, venture off into like, you know, like if you listen to this group, Five Guys Name Mo, my mom loves them. And when people yup up that theatrical type of blues, I'm like, what is going on? Like, you know, when you're screaming around, like, Caledonia. Now, there's a way to do Caledonia, which is fine. But if you like scream and like make your eyes big and stick your <laughs> neck out, you know, it's a little bit minstrelly. Right, and right. I as a kid, I couldn't put my finger on what about it bothered me. But right. I was like, this is borderline mockery. Right. And in that, in, yeah, and in the entertainment business at that time, they were telling black artists to do things like that. And, um, I remember I was a ball- I was a ballerina. I was a dancer also when I was younger, and uh, I was a hoofer, which is a form of tap, which right. is not like it's not your Shirley Temple tap. It's more relaxed and free. Um, but we had this one kid in my tap class who was doing all the big eyes and the shake in the head and. He was a nice person, but I just couldn't stand him. Right. And my mom was like, why are you so mean to this kid? Right. And I was like, well, he is the, I, I couldn't figure it out. But as an adult, I was like, that kid represented an era of like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like um, uh, the, the way, the, the, the theater that was asked. Of but the, yeah, the, the, but the, the, a lot of people, including me, like Louis Jordan and people in that style. At least like their music. But I could see how it could, it could kind of rankle as being kind of uh, being minstrelly like. It's it's right on the border, right? And so it depends on you know where your line of comfort is. Right, right. Well, I think for me as a kid, I couldn't figure it out. And now I'm like, yeah, that was, it was uncomfortable. And to me, like, you know, the blues is, is, is raw emotion. It comes from like, struggle and then also like an expression of your sexuality and an expression of like um, despair or an expression of hope, Right. you know, so so many things. And then when you get that theater part of it, it's kind of like it, it undermines that powerful part of it. And so also, I mean, but definitely as an adult, I put this together. As a right. kid, I was like, I don't know why I don't like that stuff. <laughs> right, right, and, right. And, and no offense to people who do like it, because there's a niche audience for that. Right. That's just not the blues that I make. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> you know? right, right. Um, so let me ask you how you kind of started on your current pathway 
because you know did you start primarily doing blues and then add soul covers and tell me how your your career evolved i mean and when was your sort of first professional real professional gig uh, where you're doing something that might resemble what you know lucky oregon audiences will see uh, the you know this weekend yeah well so uh, so that friend of mine in college um they were we had a few coffee houses and we would do them as a duo oh and of course we covered a little bit of susan we covered a little you know etta james a little bonnie Raitt, a little nina simone um you know um a little uh, aretha franklin right absolutely because aretha sang a lot of blues right um and uh the kids at school were like whoa this is cool now, I've heard a video of my 19-year-old self singing blues. <laughs> it is hilarious. In like what way? Why is it? How is it? Why is it? Because I hadn't, I hadn't found my voice. Right. You know? So you're uh, the, too, the, who are you derivative of in those early days? Um, I don't know. It was like now that I listen to it, I'm like, it's very Mariah Carey-ish. It was like sweet and fluttery. Like, right, right. Baby. Right, no right. No power behind it. Right. No pain behind it. Right. I needed my heart broken a few times, like, to, right. <laughs> to get, like, to the space of blues because, you know, my parents and my grandparents both um, kind of sheltered me from their experience. Like, a lot of kids grow up, you know, understanding their generational trauma and, and what was inherited from that. And my parents and grandparents kind of shielded me from that. So in a way, I grew up kind of blinded. So when you say trauma, when you say generational trauma, are you talking about racial prejudice that you encountered when mm -hmm. an older or what are you what are you referring to so, well know. you know many times in you know ethnic groups even even jewish families right. right you know you tell the story of how you came to this country or, right. Right. or the, the 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 trials you overcame right. or the things you had to, to go through right and when kids listen to that they learn that that is their story right and and so, and we know through science that we can inherit trauma from a parent or grandparent. Right, right. So sometimes it doesn't even have to be spoken, but you don't know why you don't trust people or, um, or you're, like, guarded in so many ways with your grow up, you know. But I didn't grow up in that way. So right. I, think I the, see the first what you're saying. I, yeah, because I, I was shielded from it, and then I grew up in, like, very diverse areas, so... I, uh, it was kind of like, like, it was over my head. So the first time someone said, like, something prejudiced to me, I was like, who are you talking to? Right, <laughs> like, right. I, it had had no impact on me, which I think was my grandparents' goal. Um, right, for right. For it to not right. impact me or hurt them the way they did. You know, also, like, my grandfather was an engineer. His father was a lawyer. Like, I don't have the same when someone's, like, or are you the first in your family to go to college? I'm like, no, I come from an educated family. <laughs> right. really well, right. you know, I don't, those certain experiences that people might expect are not my experience. Right, right, and right. so those heavy experiences are what produces blues, you know? So right. if you don't have that and you're trying to sing blues, that pain, where are you pulling that from? Right. Where is that coming from? Um, and so... You know, growing up, I just, um, 
like I said, I had my heart broken a good few times. And now when you say heartbroken, and, you're talking about in personal romances and social yeah. prejudices, or you were talking about romances? Um, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of both. Oh, um, I see. Okay. But yes, definitely romantically. That helps right. with the, the love songs and blues. Right. Um, but uh, um, certainly in other aspects, like when that, that shield I was given is taken off. Right. And I look around right. the world right. and I'm right. like, whoa. Or when you decide, oh, well, that's not my story, so I don't have to take that on. When right. you watch it happen before your eyes, it's right. like, ooh. Ooh, it hits you deeply. Right, um, I can and see it, that. It's undeniable. Um, and so it's you're you're sort of you're in, some, our, in some ways your background is sort of the complete opposite of Tupac, whose mother was a, a member of the Black Panthers, and he was, you know, came from a kind of struggling family and was inculcated in the history of prejudice and racism from a very early age. You know, mm-hmm. and you're you're. Not that. No, I was quite shielded from racism. And my grandparents never told me about any, you know, experiences they had. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure they had to drink out of different fountains. But we're also in the Mid-Atlantic. And my grandfather is from up north because they're Haudenosaunee. So they're fair-skinned, passing people. Now, what is the uh, what's the name of that tribe or uh, or uh, and how do you spell it? Just that you just mentioned of your grandparents. Uh, the, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy is the Iroquois Confederacy. So all the the six tribes within that confederacy. Oh, and, I uh, see. Our, our tribe is the Tuscarora. Oh, I um, see. Well, you know, you share in that common uh, 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 one of the great founding bluesmen, Charlie Patton. Had, mm-hmm. had you know Native American and African American uh, uh, heritage. Mm-hmm. So tell me about yeah. how you got. So you started playing coffee shops and you were covering a variety of different people. And those those people who you mentioned are still influences. Susan Zdenci, mm-hmm. uh, you've mm-hmm. said to me that you admire Bonnie Raitt and Aretha Franklin, and you perform Aretha Franklin songs and so on. How how mm-hmm. did, when did you uh, branch into kind of and how did you start branching into professional, you know, um, you know, performer, uh, uh, you know, either as a solo artist or with a band? How did that develop, and when did that develop? So um, it started with those coffee houses, and then I do little gigs around school. We had like a concert day called World Carnival, where Jimmy's Chicken Shack would come and play at our school. Right. And that friend of mine had a whole band from up here in the Bethesda area um, called Eat It Raw. And he brought the whole band down and they backed me up and we played blues and blues rock and soul. And um, so we opened up for Jimmy's Chicken Shack <laughs> playing blues. And, um, and uh, then I started just calling bars in the area in St. Mary's now where I went to school. Now St. Mary's like, is so the, the name of the college is also named the town, St. Mary's College? Yes, St. Oh, St. St. Mary's County, St. Mary's City. Right. Um, yeah, and it's St. Mary's College of Maryland. So I'd call nearby bars and say, hey, do you guys have live music? I got a band. Right. And we would uh, you know, play at bars, specifically uh, one called the Green Door, which is really close to campus. Then right. people wanted us to play at their house parties. Then people wanted us to play at their weddings. 
Right. And then when I graduated, um, we all worked at, three of us all worked at the same music school teaching lessons. And Wait, which we music were, school was that? That was called Bach to Rock. <laughs> Bach to Rock. Oh, I see. It's one of these French yeah, type things. Bach, Bach to Rock. And oh. I think my first time playing out in D.C. in the scene was at a place on U Street called The Islander. Right. And, uh, you know, I kind of had my ass handed to me because I was up there singing Aretha Franklin. And, you know, I think um, B.T. Richardson was on the gig and um, Lenny, uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, he's a drummer. Great guy. He's He's been a little bit ill, so he's been out of the scene. But people who are now my peers in the scene, I was like a little 20-year-old, <laughs> you know, and they're like, keep working at it, keep working at it, and um, so in other yeah. words, in other words, in other words, you didn't blow people away from the get-go in the DC scene. In other words, even though people, I'm kind of curious because it's always very striking to me when, because uh, I've, you know, what it was that kept you persisting. But your early reception in DC wasn't as positive as you were expecting, and. So what gave you the it, courage to keep going, or maybe I'm distorting what you're telling it was, me? It was positive, but the older people were like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You sound good, but keep keep at it. It was like more encouraging. Right. And in retrospect, as an adult, I'm like, woo, I had a long way to go. Right. But they saw it in me. Right. You know, oh, I see energy. what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, um. Yeah, so ha being encouraged by musicians who were like gigging musicians out in the scene, people who knew my dad, people who used to play with my dad. Now, what, what like, was the instrument you, your yeah. father played, and what what's your father's name? So I can, I'm just, I don't um, know your father's name. So and tell me, my what, dad's name is yeah. Daryl, and he was a bass player. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and he was a funk bassist. A folk bassist. Okay. Funk. Funk. Folk bassist. Okay. Funk, F-U-N-K, like part Oh, of funk, <laughs> funk. Oh, okay, funk. I misheard you. Funk. Yeah. Well, my, my, my editor and good friend Tom D'Antoni is a huge funk fan and extremely knowledgeable. Uh, so, oh, cool. So he well, was, you can imagine I hated funk growing up, too. Because... <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So... So did he play in any nationally recognized or nationally known bands or just local bands, or where did he play? I don't know, because his, you know, career as a musician sort of fizzled out as I was born. I think my parents felt like, you know, I, I was like the third girl, and they, right. you know, needed to make more money. Right, so, right, right, um, right. <clears throat> So, like, it's so interesting. So, you know, uh, and like I said, I come from an educated family, and they have money, but my parents chose, like, artistic venues, you know, right. careers where, like, you know, so we did, we we had less money than the rest of our family members that we knew of, you know, but right. I just wanted my parents to be happy. Just right. be happy people, do what you love, but they didn't. <laughs> They, uh, you know, my mom had like a childcare business and my dad just, you know, stopped making music. And um, so he was. Uh, and, what, and what career did, what profession did he, or work did he pursue when he kind of dropped off his music work? What, what did he pursue? Well, shortly after that, he went, he was ill. Oh, I see. Um, he, he was, uh, he was in um, Vietnam and, uh, um, 
he he'd gotten a lot of like just illnesses, like he had jaundice and some other oh, things. Oh, I see what you're things. saying. Right, right, yeah. right. And then uh, it triggered his insulin instability, so then he had diabetes. So then he was disabled for um, uh, a while. So I think, you know, maybe he tried to do handiwork here and there. But right, right, disability, right. You know. But you were able yeah. to, uh, now, when you went to St. Mary's, did you have a, uh, by the way, we're, for the people listening, we're, you're at an airport and you, you may have to board soon, so you cut it off whenever you want, I understand. Yes, okay. I understand. So, um, let me ask you this, in terms of, I'll wait a moment. Oh, yeah, just give me a second until she stops talking. Okay. These may be found on Delta.com. So I'll, I, I'll stop recording for a moment and